Don't kick the goddamn baby. over Google Hangouts, and just as we got started doing this officially the first time, I spilled water all over my valuable electronics. Yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of fucking up 13 ways to Sunday today. Mm-hmm. And now we're arguing as to the merits of whether or not American Hustle should have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, we're not really arguing, because we're both in agreement that it was a fine film, but it wasn't a no, best. But I appreciate that there are so many superhero movies out now that American Hustle, there's a scene in which American Hustle... No, no, no. Um, Mystique from the X-Men breaks Batman's science oven that was given to him by Hawkeye from the Avengers. Wait, hold on again. Think about Wait. it. Think about it. Mystique with Hawkeye with, who is the third one? Mystique breaks Batman's science oven that Hawkeye gave him. Oh, and yeah. That... <laughs> oh. This is becoming... Like it's it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing where you could uh yeah you kind of like okay which superhero character did this to this other superhero character you know like yeah I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah woof woof <sighs> long um, day huh yeah already so we have to be good because my father in law is watching this broadcast <laughs> really yep so, so he's he's a full one third of our uh, viewership today. <laughs> So I gotta keep swears in the minimum here, because he can't know that I have uh, any sort of inclination to exploits or anything like that. Uh, does he know that? Uh, man, no. But those the boobs in that movie, though, American Hustle. That that movie is really mostly about how thinly clothed can we make the women in this movie, and still make it so that we can like put pictures of them in like in the trailers and everything. Uh, was there? I, I I swear to God, I don't even remember the amount of boobs in that film was there really? a lot of boobs i mean you know, I don't think i don't think you even see any naked breasts but you see like it's it's that era where no one was wearing a bra and the idea of a top was like a paper thin do i need to send you animated gifs annie no please don't thank you uh there are pretty some amazing animated gifs of jennifer lawrence's breasts just looking like they're essentially painted with clothing on top just flying around and i don't know dear lord it's it's, it's a thing um but yeah no so you, you didn't care about the oscars or anything no, I, the, the extent of me caring for the Oscars it was that uh, my work had an Oscar pool. I yeah, just they... cribbed off of uh, Bobby Roberts' cheat sheet and called oh, it. Oh, which he fucked up. Yeah, I did yeah. not win. He owes me five dollars. Uh, who won? Anyone interesting? Uh, my coworker who's pregnant, so she needs every five dollar bill she can get for her baby. Woo! So it worked out. No, yeah, I was surprised. Bobby Roberts usually pretty on the ball about that, but he fucked that up. <laughs> Bobby. Bobby. Okay. I still love him. Yeah. I don't give a shit about. I hate live broadcast awards stuff. It's just kind did, of hate is a strong word. It just like. It's, I know, but I remember. Did you see the thing where like uh, what's her face took a selfie of everybody? Dora took a, a <laughs> selfie. Yes, Bill. I'm on the internet. I was. And it turns out that was like a goddamn here. Galaxy Samsung ad. Of course it Essentially, was. it was like a paid product placement gag within the show. I wish I'd be surprised that stuff exists, but it's still kind of ridiculous. Of course it was, Bill. It's the Oscars. Oscars. I guarantee you that pizza delivery was product placement by the Pizza Council. Uh, the Pizza Council. Didn't the 
pizza get? I thought the pizza council got wiped out by the pizza Sith like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I enjoy your Star Wars pizza chip. <laughs> I. So speaking of Bobby Roberts, uh, also a close friend of the podcast, Mike Rossley, who brought back my – this is something I bought a couple of years ago and forgot – my Sounds of Star Wars book, which is a great book because it's not just a book, but it also comes with uh, – it comes, comes with this built-in soundboard of – Ah, good. New acquisitions. <laughs> of just like – it plays Sounds of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> And so I said at the job of the hut, considering I'm a fat guy on the internet, and I knew eventually at some point in this podcast I would start laughing. <laughs> I love that laugh. That's such a... <laughs> Actually, I'm, the terrible thing is I'm shaped like Jabba the Hutt, but I laugh like Salacious B. Crumb. <laughs> this is true. It's a terrible combination. But yeah, what? no, the start. What? Bill, I have a question for you. What does the B in Salacious B Crumb stand for? Uh, butthole. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sure there's an Expanded Universe book all about where he got that middle name, whatever the B stands for. It was cute. I was at uh, dinner last night, and a friend brought his son and his son's best friend uh, to dinner, and they were both 12 years old, like 12, 13 years old. And they spent the whole night challenging each other to Star Wars trivia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to get involved because I didn't want to be that. Cause they were kind of off in their own little world. They didn't need some, like, fat guy, fat, like, you know, like 40-year-old guy. Like, I know Star Wars, too. Test me a question. And I think they were mostly talking about Clone Wars stuff. Yeah. In fact, they spent the whole night trying to figure out who could or could not defeat Anakin Skywalker in any kind of given situation. There's a very Anakin Skywalker-centric, which I don't know if I'm that old. Like, Yoda you... without any force powers, could he he beat up Anakin Skywalker with if he didn't have force powers or a lightsaber? And have you watched this this Clone Wars thing? Uh, the cartoon that's been out yeah. for a couple years, like yeah. the CGI one, not the not the yeah. Jendi Card Tartakovsky. I've seen yeah. it. It seemed pretty cute. Apparently, it's on Netflix now, and everyone's freaking out about it. Yeah, Apparently... well, it's. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I've learned that the first season is garbage, but from there on it turns pretty good. Well, the first, it's funny because when this Clone Wars shit started, it started off with like, a, like, well, I guess they had a TV movie that they wound up actually putting out in theaters. And we may have even actually even joked about this on the Boy Howdy podcast when we first started like two years ago, whenever the Clone Wars shows first started. But the, the Clone Wars movie that they put out in theaters, that was the one that introduced like a gay job of the hut. What? Who talks like Truman Capote? You never heard about this? I vaguely remember we talked so, so, about yeah, it. So yeah, so the first bit of clone, like CGI Clone War stuff they ever put out was like this TV movie that was put in the theaters. And it's something about how there's like a gay Southern Truman Capote hut. His son gets kidnapped, a hutling, and so he ends up uh, hiring uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan to go find him. And so it's like 90 minutes of them trying to, oh man, we already lost. I cannot keep on looking at our, our listener count as, Bill, as it falls off as I'm in the middle of describing the Clone Wars cartoon Stop movie. looking at it, Bill. Um, so yeah, so uh, that movie came out. Everyone derided it. But the show actually, once, once, once the show was actually on air, everyone seemed to kind of dig it. And uh, it got canceled last year before they could actually wrap up the story, uh, which I guess is important because they introduced a new, they gave Anakin Skywalker like a new... Uh, 
students who never shows up in any of the movies so you know she ends up dead because uh, i guess the, all the clone wars takes place between like the the second star wars prequel movie and the third and yeah. she never shows up in the third but so you're assuming, like i don't know but they never explain because the show got canceled before they could end it properly they never got a chance to explain what happened to that character mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of loose ends and supposedly um these episodes that just showed up on netflix they actually have like there's half a dozen episodes that have never been aired before hmm. and oh, so really? some of those episodes are like help explain some of the some of the things, loose ends that still didn't get tied up although i guess they still never explain even within these half a dozen episodes that are new to netflix um they never still never explain what happened to the student teacher of anakin's and suppose i guess that's going to get wrapped up in like a dark horse comic later on this year or something but yeah um, but, you know, everyone like, said it was, it was supposed to be a pretty good little cartoon show. So, I really I'm, like you describing the narrative flaws of this TV show you haven't watched. <laughs> I, saw, I saw, like, two episodes, and this is one of those things when, you know, it's weird because cartoons these days, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if they're, like, half-hour cartoons or if it's, like, the South or the Adventure Time thing where it's, like, only, like, 15-minute long episodes. But, like, yeah, I've seen less than an hour of The Clone Wars. Um, well, it seemed okay. I don't, anything but fuck Anakin Skywalker. I don't want to... Anything with him as a main character, even though supposedly the show kind of redeems him a little bit, kind of makes him a little more interesting, fuck that shit. Yeah, that's kind of a character who's been uh, hit by a car a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, you can't cares. fix that, son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. You, you you cannot pull a Darth Vader and pull that, that character out of lava and fix him up and make him a badass after he's yeah. such, been such a whiny bitch in those prequel movies. Yeah. Um, but... oh, okay, I'm officially ending the Star Wars Clone Wars talk. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I like. I'm no more invested in, in this than you are, though. That's the, if we were talking about the Empire Strikes Back, that'd be a different thing. But yeah. how you doing, Bill? How was your week? Uh, it was man. It was quiet. We don't have a, sh- a shitload of stuff to talk about this week. Um, I went to uh, the highlight of my week was my uh, friend Joshin. He's uh, out of the blue. He decided to buy a new Gundam model, and so he's been working on this super fancy, super expensive, like hundred dollar model of this transforming Gundam ship that he uh-huh. had imported from Japan. And uh, so he's been going to the local hobby shop, Bridgetown Hobbies and Supplies, to get you know stuff to build this model with. And uh, just last week he found out there was going to be a meeting this week of hobby builders, model builders and stuff yeah. at, this, at this hobby shop. And so he decided he wanted to go check it out. Uh, he didn't want to show up by himself. He wanted someone to bring with him, just in the kind of moral support. So he asked me if I would come. And so I, we both went together. And, man, that was fucking awesome. You should have seen the shit these guys were building. Um, I thought this meeting of hobbyists and model builders at this model shop, I thought it was going to like be like two or three guys just kind of hanging out talking about models. Yeah, It was a good dozen dudes all of them in their 40s all of them overweight all of them white <laughs> like very spit like essentially just like me and joshin practically um just building all kinds of mostly military models i was hoping there would be more guys with like fantasy or science fiction models and stuff yeah but they were all very kind of like you know add all very nice guys but it was all it was it was it was, it was a very select group of people but they all had like jeweler's headsets have you ever seen these where it's like a, like a headset you put on and it has like a big like yeah. like like essentially like a microscope built into this headset it kind of makes yeah. you when you're wearing it it also lights up so it kind of makes you look like a ghostbuster or something yeah. yeah uh all of those guys had those and me and jojo we were already kind of walking in there feeling a little um i don't know we were feeling a little like uh amateur hour yeah and we're like oh my god if we just got uh uh ourselves pairs of those uh those jeweler headsets, then yeah. we would be, that's the missing ingredient. That's what we then need you, to be as good uniform. as these guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah. I love when you talk yourself into like, if I own this one item, then my life will be better. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing where uh, we and like I bought a bunch of model paints and stuff because I have a couple model kits here in the house. I have um, uh, models that people have gifted me over the years. Speaking of Star Wars and nerdiness, I do have a uh, a vintage Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back uh, snowspeeder model from nice. 1980. This is not some kind of crappy reissue or anything like that. This is a like a 34 year old. Uh, Snowspeeder model that I've just I was collecting dust on my shelf for the last decade, and I thought I'd start work on that. Uh, and so I bought some uh, glue and some you know paints and stuff like that, and I'll start work on that sometime soon. But yeah, no, it was kind of a cool little. I used to build models all the time as a kid, and so it was kind of fun to go back and kind of just just kind of like dip my toe back into the world of model building again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Bill, on your new expensive, time-consuming hobby. <laughs> I know exactly. Well, this is the other thing too. Well, did I tell you about how, like, you know, because I got my first credit card a year ago, that because it's been exactly a year, they sent me the thing where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. here's all the reward points that you've built up over the course of the last year. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out those uh, points were redeemable at Lego.com. So I did order the Simpsons house. Oh, good for you, Bill. So I essentially got myself a free Simpsons house uh, coming next week. And I did also, uh, I did pay for it. However, I did pick up this Back to the Future DeLorean model. Oh, you did? Good idea. Yeah, so that is coming to the house. Uh, I also got a free Martian Manhunter. Oh, good. That's really emotionally important to you. Yeah. It's a kind of marketing thing. And I did buy uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land. Uh, little little playset. That's like a ten dollar little playset thing that's coming to the house. So I will have like Unikitty and Emmett and all those guys for the Lego movie. Good on you, Bill. I am a giant fucking ten year old. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm building models. I've got Lego coming to the house. I play. I spent the rest of the week just playing goddamn South Park video game bullshit. Um, I watched. Uh, I went over to have breakfast with our friends Conley and Jimmy yesterday and watched them play a little bit of that. It is ridiculous how good. They uh, Obsidian got that game to look. It looks like you're just watching the cartoon. It's if, if it weren't astonishing. For the, yeah, if you're not watching a combat thing, you're, I mean, most of the game is cutscenes, and like I could see why that game is only quote unquote only about 13 hours long because yeah. it really is just like essentially like a whole bunch of episodes just string strung together with like little combat sequences. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Jimmy and Conley picked that up, actually. It's, it's interesting to see what kind of people are willing to throw down 60 bucks for a brand new South Park RPG. Well, I mean, think about it. It's going to be people who like RPGs and like South Park, and that's Jimmy and Conley. Oh, no. No, okay. So. Did you actually play? No. Uh, what kind of character did they have? A ranger? Yeah. Oh, they didn't play as a Jew? <sighs> No. No, I like how you're saying, like, I'm making this up, but that's part of the game. No, no, I know. We discussed this at length last week when I explained <laughs> why I couldn't bring myself to buy this game. Oh, do you want to borrow it when I'm done? Because I think I'm most of the way there. I may borrow it from Jimmy and Conley, but at the end of the day, I don't know, man. I really like Obsidian, and the gameplay actually looks great, but it's still you a fart magic Park? game. I, You know what? I like South Park, and I like their humor when they're not doing cheap, tasteless gags. And I know that's... that's why, what are they not I know. doing cheap, tasteless gags? Well, look, they are... They're, I mean, they are smart guys, and they have really good jokes and really good sense of humor, but then it's all fart jokes, turd jokes. But, Annie, that's like saying, I love this burrito, only when it's not filled with beans and rice. I know, Bill. I know. But when they don't go for the cheap humor, it's really funny, and it makes me mad. Because at the end of the day, I can't make, like, 
endorse something that makes fun of queers, trans people, like the disabled mentally. See, that's the one thing I do like about South Park it's is just... they make fun of everybody, though. I know. That's... Not to say it makes. I mean, if you're offended by that stuff, then I'm not saying that you should not be offended. Whatever. It's really. not even. I'm but... not even necessarily always offended. I get that they're making fun of everybody, but at the end of the day, I don't like that kind of humor. I'm so, I sound like my mother right now, but it's just. I don't know, man. It's well, that's just... it's understandable. I don't know. And it makes me mad that it makes me laugh. And I know that they have the whole excuse that it's kids and kids don't know any better, but that's not... It's, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the things, man, about this game. I thought they would at least tone down some of that humor for the game, and they did not. It is no. full-on... Everything that... Er, 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 the most horrible shit you've ever seen in South Park, that's in this goddamn game. Oh, well, I mean, the, by virtue of the fact that one of the playable classes is a Jew... And uh, even when you show up, Cartman's just berating you for being a Jew. It's just all this fucking crazy shit. I did. I, I used, the funny thing is, I have not seen that much South Park, especially in the last decade. I, I watched South Park for like the first six or seven years it was on. It's almost like the Simpsons thing, where I like watched like the first, only watched the first decades, but I haven't watched it in a long time. So I don't understand a lot of the jokes and stuff in this in the game. Yeah. Fly over my head, but I do like the fact that the one token, uh, the character's name is Token. It's the one black guy in the whole show. I forgot he lives in a gated community away from all the white trash. Like, it's it's not... The, I like that the joke isn't that he's the... Uh, because he's black, he's the poor one. He's right. the only one with any money in any kind of sense. And he actually lives right. far away from everyone else. And there's actually a part of the game where you have to figure out how to get into his gated community. Because right. his he and his family have enough sense to live away from all these fucked up white people. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, that game was goddamn ridiculous. What, what, which, which part of the game did you see them play? Um, part of I don't, part of the game. I just saw him wander around, <laughs> do some combat, do some exploring. Yeah, he was that exploring game, South Park. That was pretty much it. That's kind of cool. That's another thing. It's kind of funny to explore that world and just kind of yeah. The whole town is modeled in the game. Yeah, it sounds really stupid. One of the first things you do is. Uh, you go to Cartman's house, and he's got his whole backyard is set up as the Koopa Keep. It's the little medieval Ren Fair mm. thing he's got going on. And you climb up into uh, – he's got a little treehouse built up, and you go up in there, and it turns out it's like a little lookout point. And that, the camera pans over, and it's like kind of this majestic view of South Park, the whole city. And as, as majestic as all this cutout animation bullshit can be, it's still very kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's a nice little thing to see. Yeah. And I love all the music. It's totally riffing off of Dragon – or uh, Skyrim. Skyrim. Specifically. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're walking around, it's always, oh, so. Well, I oh. like that it's Cartman going, huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Well, speaking to what you're talking about, how kind of weird the humor is in South Park, uh, specifically in this game, there's, uh, you can go into the movie theater in town. And uh, everyone's watching like Rob Schneider and Adam Sandler movies, and they're in the whole, all the jokes in the movie theater is that all those guys' movies are nothing about just dick and fart jokes. Mm-hmm. When that's half the humor in the goddamn South Park game, yeah. instead of magic, you have farts. Yeah, and that's and it's funny that they would just like spend so much time and energy making fun of all this other shit, which is really just about farts and, and like the stupidest humor. That like a huge crotch of humor in the South Park game itself is oh you're just farting at people or you're you're farting in your hand and throwing at people, yeah. which that's a little bit like it doesn't help with that combat that that part of the combat system is kind of clunky and hard to understand like how you're pulling off these like fart throwing moves, but it's kind of inconsistent how they're gonna like take try to take the piss out of someone else for uh, doing nothing but talking about farts when that's gonna be a big crux of their own yeah. shit. Yeah, you know? which which leave it to the white guy to be all like. I think the farts are the most insensitive part of South Park humor, but man, 
Fucking... Yeah, whatever, Mr. Aids. Uh-huh. Well, I know. Well, that's the other thing. I started off the game and they asked you to input your name. And I was, I, I, I said this out loud. I was like, finally, a game from Mr. Aids, as I was typing in the name Mr. Aids at the beginning of the game. This is another, another unfortunate thing, too. There's really no reason why you can, can't play as a female character in this game, but you can't. Yeah. Um, aside from the fact that your parents refer to you as their son, uh, most of the other characters refer to you as the new kid. So there's really no reason why you couldn't just be playing as a woman. You could dress up your character as a girl. There's like dresses and, and wigs and stuff available. So your character can pretty much like however you want that character to look like. But in terms of how your character is referred to in the game, it's a little weird. Too. My counter argument is that kids are very, very conscious of gender stuff around that age. And when you are speaking as the girl who is always playing with the guys, that was yeah. always an element of it. So it but when you can still dress up as a girl, you might as well – you still can – and it's not like your character talks either. So there's no reason why you couldn't – I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Boys and girls at that age, there's a lot of awareness of that, and uh, it can become a thing. I'm just saying it would be weird for them oh, not yeah. to address that, especially if don't the girls have like a special fort or something in the town? Not that I've seen in the game. Maybe that's a thing in the cartoon or something. Uh, uh, I, when we were, when I was watching Jimmy, one of the kids, one of the boys, was like, "I heard the girls have a secret castle." Something oh, like they might. I just haven't seen it yet. I'm, I think I'm about halfway through the game. Yeah. Um. Oh God, I was gonna say something else about gender or something like that too. Let's get really philosophical about the goddamn <laughs> South Park game. Um. But yeah, no. Like I said, aside from like, I, I really do appreciate the fact they don't pull any. But I mean, it really is just the South Park. If you like South Park, you will like this game. I really love that the two games Obsidian are working on right now are the they did the South Park Stick of Truth and then like an old school Baldur's Gate point and click isometric RPG. Wait, what's that? Uh, they're doing Pillars of what are they doing? I supported it. Pillars of Eternity. Obsidian. Oh, they had, oh, that's why I forgot they had a Kickstarter. Is yeah. that supposed to be like for consoles or is that just like PC? Oh hell no, it's it's for um, computers. It'll oh, come okay. out for Mac though. But um. Taco Flavor Kisses, man. That song Taco came on the radio. Kisses. I started laughing my ass off. God damn it. Taco Flavor Kisses. <laughs> it's the worst. See, but the thing is, is that, like, I don't know, man. It's... <sighs> I was thinking about this a lot last night. I was yeah. fully humored me, and we watched The Man Who Would Be King, which is one of my favorite movies. And she'd only seen it once, and she was not impressed the one time she watched it. It's kind of a weird movie. Yeah. The premise of it is it's these two dope thug brutes who decide that they're going to take all their soldiering know-how, march into um, the mountains outside of Afghanistan, and uh, become kings to all the tribes there. And uh, it's totally a white man's burden sort of thing, but it's also like a white man's burden and we may as well swindle while we uh, educate the masses. So there's a strong element of racism through it, needless to say. Oh, yeah. and also so of course it's racist. Welcome to but, any media made in the last... 2000 years but the the only part of it that fully can remember is one that relates to their contract the contract they signed at the start of the movie is that they both swear off drink and women until their objectives have been met and okay. there's a sequence where they they're starting to become uh, idolized for their prowess and one of the women wakes up michael Caine by standing over him and wafting her skirt <laughs> towards him to and, and he wakes up just kind of sniffing going, oh, then figures out what's going on that was the only part of that whole movie my so wife got woken up by a pussy flavored air conditioner by by vaginal wafting is what foley calls it and of course, foley would that would be the thing that sticks a full that's that genuinely ridiculous all she can remember from that movie 
So are you saying that's like like that uh, the that's like a South Park joke? Well, no. So my point is, is that so I was thinking about this. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's really in its point of view and in it, how it pre- depicts its customers, or excuse me, it's a uh, uh, it's uh, characters. It's really racist and imperialist. And I was thinking yeah. about that. I'm like, is it okay to like a piece of media that portrays? Um, a people and a culture as backwards and uh, kind of unwashed masses if the people in the media who hold that opinion are penalized for it. Oh, it depends on what you mean by okay. I think you could appreciate stuff like that within context. Sure. I, 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 I think you're not going to get anywhere if you just hold yourself up to is it okay or is it not okay. Well, yeah. Because nothing in life is that black and white, especially with any kind of like adv- – yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a funny thing to say. Hey, one of my favorite movies of all time is this really racist movie. I mean, are you gonna enjoy rock and roll, which is kind of a medium ripped off by black people, like sterilized by like Elvis Presley? I mean, like that's it's hard not though. to find stuff that does not have its roots in some kind of fucked up misappropriation. See, I, I'm, I'm not, not saying this justifies anything. I, it's it's you should be conscious of all this stuff. I'm not just saying that there's there's you. I, 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 I on the flip side, I hate the argument that well, technically everything's fucked up. So if you really start worrying about this stuff, then you just go crazy. So you shouldn't even care. That's a lazy excuse too. But it's 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 a, it's a thing in moderation of of being conscious of of where the stuff comes from and 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 the context in which it was made versus what kind of social justice are you serving by never ever watching that movie again? Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, or, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. So one thing I forgot about that movie, I totally forgot that Kipling is played by um, Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. I never recognized him before. And it was only afterwards when I, like recently I had read something. I was like, Kipling Oh yeah. Shows up in that. Yeah. Kipling is the framing device. Oh, I forgot about that. I need to see that again. The whole premise of the film is that, um, let's see the pirate bay.com. <laughs> The internet org. Exactly, yeah. Bill, I have the Blu-ray. I can just loan it to you next time I, I see you. I take you up on that. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Kipling is the framing device. He works – he's a correspondent for the Eastern Star who is a Mason and meets these two fellow Masons who are these total roust bouts. And uh, he, he, he actually witnesses their contract uh, to go become kings. And it's just the fucking I fucking love that movie. It's I just love that it it's shot in Morocco and it's just uh-huh. such gorgeous landscapes and uh they're just such self absorbed idiots. Oh, that that's a John Houston movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Speaking of movies made by fucked up people, you know about Oh oh god. I did go to the piratebay.com and now I'm getting all these pop ups. <laughs> um no, John Houston was like a crazy fucking racist shot. Like, oh, yeah. he, like the, the he's documented to be one of more uh, Hollywood's more f- quote unquote problematic filmmakers. <laughs> um, also, so. he made Annie though. Annie's there Annie's totally not full of racism. Where you've got a <laughs> Indian guy named Hajib or whatever the fuck Punjab rescues Annie and all kinds of fucked up shit. Oh, did you see the new Annie trailer this week? No, I missed it. People are really worked up that it's about black people now. Do you care about Annie? Is this now the Annie fan pe- fan cast? I hate Annie for the only reason. Oh, only because reason well, that I'm named Annie and I had a dog named Sandy growing up. How did and you it's all a tall, bald father figure. The Sandy came first. When I was born, my parents already had a dog named Sandy. 
Did they know they were going to name you Annie? And so they were kind of preparing you? They claim that I was named after a relative, but I don't believe it. I believe I was named to match the dog. But so my uh, entire fucking life, people look at me and go, that's that, I'll come back, come back. <laughs> and I just would have drowned everyone in a bucket. So I guess it's the new Annie. Did you ever see the movie, the original one with... Uh... No. No, I have never seen. Oh wait, no, I saw Annie once on stage. And I oh, you should see. I really do like that. No, the John Huston Annie movie starring. No. it's it's. Uh, I want to call him Antiques Roadshow. That's not the movie he was in. Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's almost the same same thing. Rocky. It's a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, Carol Burnett and uh, Bernadette Peters as the villains. Any movie that has those three guys as the villains, you gotta you gotta admire to some degree. Come on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I'm now oh, watching anyway. the Annie trailer. <laughs> Are you watching it right now? <laughs> yes, I am. I it's got, it's a got really Jamie good podcast. Fox. Okay, if that's Sandy, Sandy is adorable. That's what I'm saying. It's got Jamie Fox. So it's no longer Daddy Warbucks. Now it's Benjamin Stacks. Uh, that I like that actually. Well, he's no longer a war profiteer. Now he's just like a random billionaire guy. Well, it's um, like you could. I mean, it's the sort of story that works better, makes more sense if you recontextualize it. Yeah, I mean, as long as oh, it's... Jamie Fox looks so handsome in his suit. I love Jamie Fox. Cannot. I'm not that he can't act, but his one mode of acting is pretty much being Jamie Fox in anything. Um, I'm a sucker for Jamie Fox just because the first movie he was ever in was Toys, and that's one of my favorite movies. I really uh, want that Sandy. Now oh, you're invested in the goddamn I, anime, I, I, just because the damn the dog. dog. I'm in. <laughs> uh, so I, it's, I guess it's up to me to supply commentary while Annie uh, watches the... So anyway, going back to the South Park stuff. Yeah. Uh, did you see any of the stuff where they like make jokes about like the, like the meta video game jokes? And this is the, the only other thing I want to talk about, because they actually do that pretty well, too. Uh, I saw a little about um, uh, the like the Dragonborn Skyrim stuff. Yeah, okay. I think uh, I like it. it's called Dragon Shout. Yeah, and Cartman's always yelling about you use Dragon Shout. Um, no, there's a whole like it's it's kind of predictable, but the way it's still executed is pretty funny. There's a uh, part where you're finding audio logs, and the guy on the audio logs is talking about how he found other audio logs that never actually really helped him that much, but it's for it. some reason he's still recording. Him himself talking about these audio logs, even though he's being chased uh, down by, and eaten by monsters and stuff. Uh, there's a whole bunch of. It's just. It's nice to have a video game that is legitimately funny, and also it like is will make funny jokes about video games and lazy like you know video game design and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, we shouldn't keep on talking about South Park. South Park. I'd like to go back to talking about the man who would be king. Or or Annie. <sighs> No. Did you just see? It's not Miss Havisham. Oh, wait, this is the other thing. So do you know anything about Great Expectations? Yeah. Uh, did, did I tell you about how there's a version of, a BBC version of Great Expectations starring X-Files as Miss Havisham? Jillian Anderson? Yes, we've yeah. talked about this. It's horrifying to think that she's old enough that she could be playing Miss Havisham in anything. Miss Havisham and the Great Expectations being this old elderly woman who just spends all of her time, like, who's who spent, like, the last 30 years hanging out in her wedding dress because she got jilted at the altar. So she's this crazy old lady who has spent decades n- living in her wedding dress with all of her wedding stuff all around her mansion, never taken down because she's still so wrapped up about having been jilted by this guy 30 years ago. And they got Jillian Anderson to play this old lady. It's yeah. crazy. Man, I, uh, we watched Hannibal, caught up with Hannibal. Yeah. Jillian Anderson's profile, son. She's full she's- Turning into like an eagle person. Oh, she's or something. She got that. Well, this is she's always really had see it. this. 
You see this uh, while watching her in this great uh, Expectations adaptation where she's got the nose yeah. and everything. She's just got that profile. She must, like, I want to, like, there needs to be, what's the Tumblr where they have, like, sketch stuff every week? There's a, a sketch theme. like Daily theme. sketch? Daily sketch. They need to do old Jillian Anderson week. Just she's she always must be... had that profile, though. Like, you go back to X-Files. Oh, I know, but now that she's getting older, it's even getting more, I don't know. She's, Her she's profile doesn't look like a real person profile. No, she looks like, like she was designed by, like, some kind of animation studio. It's That's nuts. what I'm saying. Dude, oh this man. is this is a, this is us trying to justify the fact that we both have boners for old Jillian Anderson. See, I'm not necessarily attracted to her. Really? No. See, I see her as kind of more like I really want her to play Athena in something because she just has this like kind of in like it like godlike aloofness. She's always had it, kind but of the seriousness, yeah. Yeah, the older she's gotten, the more she has it. That's yeah. just like awesome anyway um i want to talk a little more about the man who would be king so one of my favorite movies in the world Jesus christ um but no so the thing i've always riffed on is that i wish they would as much as i have a policy my theory is that don't remake good things remake bad things and make them better but um oh, bill thanks Sorry. thanks for respecting my opinion uh, no, so my thing is that I want them to remake it with a Michael Fassbender in Michael Caine's role and Tom Hardy in Sean Connery's uh, role. And uh, did I just call him Tom Connery? Tom yeah, Hardy. Yeah, and also Michael Fassbender. 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 Um, so, but I was thinking about it, and Foley and I were kind of talking about the like the imperialism and racism and all these sorts of things, and how that can get really scratchy. And so I was like, "Oh, just do it in space." And so Foley and I were riffing on like this idea of like this kind of British imperialist, but in a in, in like a sci-fi context adventure with Tom Hardy and Michael Fassbender. And I'm really mad that this is not something real that I. Can so it'd be see. Star Wars, where they're fighting the uh, evil empire that's uh, just uh, staffed entirely by British people. See, but the thing is, Bill, they're not fighting the evil empire. They the are part of. They're rejects from the evil empire. So they not that... the imperial officers who have gone AWOL and decided to become, like, set up their own little mini kingdom over here. See, the and thing is, they're, they're stormtroopers the is the thing. How did There's... you not just decide? Uh, did, did you try to write Amy Hennig about how this should be Uncharted 4? Just, just essentially just video game remake of The Man Who Would Be King with See, a, uh, Drake and Sully? As we were watching it, Foley was like, so this is just Uncharted, right? Like, obvi- like Sully would look amazing in, in Sean Connery's facial hair. I'm like, agreed, agreed. So anyway, yeah, I think my wife and I may actually, we started talking about it, and I want to make her draw it, and I think I want to do it as a comic because it would be really great, really fun. Very cool. We'll just add it to the list. But, of you're talking about the science fiction version of all this, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there are a- adaptations out the ass of... Uh... Well, who are the native people going to be? Is it just going to be like an alien species? Yeah. Okay. I kind of want to keep the Mason bit, though, because that's so fantastic. I love that that is an element. So I'd have to figure out how to play with that. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do. Anyway, so yeah, that's me talking. See, this is going to be a week where you and I just ramble on about things and alienate the other person. So, Bill, you pick something to talk about to alienate me now. I noticed that our viewership went up during South Park stuff and down during uh, The Man Who Would Be King. You're not allowed <laughs> to host ever again. Ever again. Um, you know, we, Andy, by virtue of the fact that we lost one viewer, that is a 25% decline in your part of the conversation. So I'm, I'm just, uh, that's not a judgment call. I'm just throwing that up on the board. That's the, an actual Bill. statistic. 25% one-quarter drop-off. 
If if we were running a company right now, someone would be getting fired over that shit. Hey, Bill, what do you have to talk about? Alienate me. <laughs> I got nothing to talk about. Oh, you want to talk about Hannibal? Speaking of Jillian Anderson. Man, so yeah, I just caught up on Hannibal. Shit, that show is good. So yeah. Foley, uh, I hadn't been, we hadn't watched it yet because Foley wasn't in the mood for it. She was like, I don't know. I don't want to be scared. Yeah, that is a show you have to be in the mood for. Yeah, that is a very See, specific mood that show projects. I am a fucked up individual because I am always in the mood for Hannibal. Uh, last year when I was having kind of a nervous breakdown. You just wrote their tagline for season three. Always in the mood for Hannibal. I I was having a nervous breakdown last year and yeah. everything added to my anxiety and panic except for Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal was a big thing helping me through last year and uh, the show still makes me feel that way. I don't know why. You need me. That, 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 that'll make some, for some interesting psychoanalysis someday. Yeah. yeah well, I was thinking about that. I'm like, it is about crazy people who on one spectrum end of the spectrum can't control their shit and another end of the spectrum a crazy guy who can totally control their shit to the point that someone was kind of frightening uh i don't know yeah i i that kind of makes sense to me in some way that i can't articulate but yeah it's yeah there's so, there's also something to be said for when you're in a bad spot seeing people who are in so intensely like the far end of a bad spot that you're like okay i'm okay yeah. i'm not killing people nor is any are any of my friends that were trying to convince me that i'm killing yeah. people and when this is all wrapped up in a very pretty package like hannibal is yeah and also presented to you by a very sexy lady from wonderfalls i was gonna say it's got Claire and the, carolyn Duvernau with dogs there's literally nothing more i need in this world was last week's episode was that the one where she turned into an ink monster and kisses will yeah yeah that, that was nuts that's good uh, so yeah uh, for people to know hannibal is i don't know how many people have been watching that because i know it's the ratings are for that show aren't necessarily very high so i don't know if if we have any real context i mean we've talked about hannibal on the show before but bill people know what hannibal lecter is well they know well, that's really the okay. thing is they know what hannibal lecter is but this is all about like uh, all the stuff that leading up to the books that everyone the books and movies that everyone know hannibal lecter about and also because they can't quite get all the rights to all the characters and stuff from the movies this is kind of like a weird not just a prequel but a weird like alternate reality where a lot of the characters are gender swapped and stuff like that. Like supposedly the uh, new FBI lady, who's played by one of the Sex and City uh, characters, who just showed up in this season. She's supposed to be another character who's supposed to be male in the books. She's supposed to be like Paul something something. Now she's Paula something something. Um, I don't know. Why was I saying something about? <laughs> now I'm my turn to ramble. Yep. Uh, I, no, I want to see a, a gen- I want to see a gender swapped Hannibal in space. <laughs> there we go. Um, um, but yeah, so... no, the, the 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 real remarkable thing about this new season that just started last week was uh, the very well the the whole premise of this Hannibal show. It's a prequel where the guy who eventually ends up capturing Hannibal Lecter and exposing him for the crazy cannibal son of a bitch he is. The show is all about that guy who find, who cap- eventually captures Hannibal Lecter and brings him to justice, how he first meets Hannibal Lecter and becomes friends with Hannibal Lecter. And so the whole status quo for, for the first season was uh, Hannibal Lecter actually becoming this guy's psychiatrist and helping him uh, solve these murder cases and stuff. And uh, the second season starts they've, – they've made it so that this guy has actually figured out who and what Hannibal Lecter is. And ah, it's interesting. Yeah, I hope that this show is able to stay on air to get to all of Brian Fuller's idea for it because he wants it to be like unlike most uh, 
American television, there's a very particular arc to it. Like he really wants to tell the complete story of Hannibal Lecter through the end of the books, which means that if he gets to the fourth season, the fourth season will be Red Dragon. Yeah. So so I I was just reading about this this week. So he's got a seven season plan for the show. Mm-hmm. And there are three Hannibal Lecter books. The three Hannibal Lecter books would be well. Is, oh, so okay, seven seasons of the show, four seasons of completely original content. Three mm-hmm. seasons would each, you know, each of the, uh, three of the seasons within that would be comprised of the three uh, pre-existing Hannibal Lecter books. And uh, so the first three seasons that were in the second season of Hannibal now would be just uh, uh, original, brand new material of about how this guy ends up finding out who Hannibal Lecter is and how he brings him to justice. Mm-hmm. Then it would be the three books that uh, Thomas Harris wrote about Hannibal Lecter was Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, and I think Hannibal. And then it would be capped. That would be set six seasons of TV right there, and then there would be one last seventh season uh, that shows what happened to Cannibal after the events of the books that have already been written. And uh, I would be shocked off my ass if he ever gets beyond like the third season with this stuff. But, but still, it's a noble dream. And like he's got a plan happen, for this. Yeah, that doesn't happen often enough in American television where there's like a particular arc. So I hope well, they're allowed to do it. And the thing is, you think they would stretch out this whole this stuff where. The kind of the big, like, high concept of the show in the first season was, oh, it's Hannibal Lecter and this guy who brings him to justice, Will Graham, they're friends. And you think they would drag that out a little bit more because it's such an interesting dynamic that they totally broke it by the end of the first season, now in the second season. Well, it's, it's funny because they flipped it now where uh, Will Graham is the crazy person who's been accused of all these serial uh, murders, and now Hannibal Lecter is... The, the person helping the police solve all these other serial, serial killer cases and stuff. And the fact that the first episode of this season starts with uh, the Matrix fighting uh, Hannibal. That was crazy. Man. Yeah, that was a really good fight scene. So I'll say this. We're talking a lot of spoilery talk about Hannibal, and we're not even beating ourselves up about it. Just because with Hannibal, it's not so much the things it's not, that happen. Yeah, it's, it's not It's really plot. like how it happens like it's such an artistically and visually pleasing show it's really about just seeing the things happen and seeing the little bits and ticks of performances like jillian anderson has just been phenomenal phenomenal just like the subtlety of her performance is fantastic well she plays so in the show jillian anderson of the x-files she plays hannibal lecter's psychiatrist and uh she knows hannibal lecter's fucking crazy but there's all this weird thing about how she was attacked by one of her patients a long time ago, and somehow Hannibal Lecter knows about that, and they have this kind of weird bond that's never really explained. But like, The implication is that he helped her in this attack. Or and... something like that, yeah. And so she doesn't want to, like, ah, it's... And she's a cool person. It doesn't seem like she's crazy, but she knows that Hannibal Lecter's nuts, and she's his psychiatrist, and the fact that she's his psychiatrist keeps her from going to the cops about all the shit she knows but he's kind of like emotionally blackmailed her at the same time and there's just lots of murky psychological shit going on i mean it's they made it pretty clear that the reason why she can't go to the police is that it would implicate her yeah exactly so clearly whatever happened with with the the assailant was something hannibal did that was untoward that she was part of yeah hannibal's done a very good job of uh, whatever people he's left alive that know about his shit, he's made he set it up so they're as implicated as he would be if he mm-hmm. if he were ever to be exposed. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Hannibal's yeah. good shit. That's really what pretty. Else? 
yeah. yeah, it's just the art direction in it is fantastic. The casting the fu- is fantastic. And the costume one one last little thing about, about Hamill, we'll shut up about this, was, yeah, like they said, this fight scene that starts off the first episode of the second season, I thought it was going to be something that they were going to walk it back and say, oh, it's just a dream sequence or something, because you wouldn't expect this to be something that would happen so quickly on Hannibal in terms of characters finding out who Hannibal is and what he's doing. And one of the characters ends up in a huge fight with Hannibal. And Hannibal seems to at least mortally wound this other character and no it turns out it's, it's it's not a dream sequence or a flashback but like it's it's something that's supposed to tie into the end of the season at the end of the fight it's it shows like 12 weeks sooner and then it just starts off with the first episode of the season but yeah nuts it was a really good fight scene really well shot and really really fucked up and again the shit they get away with showing on this goddamn show yeah even the violence stuff in that scene of the episode this week where it shows uh hannibal lecter <laughs> Using a bandsaw to cut off a guy's leg mm. and turn it turn it into little like little lamb medallions to cook up and everything. So they um, actually show that it's not even implicated. Where like he puts this dismembered leg on a bandsaw and he starts moving it towards the saw blade, and I'm like, well, that's kind of fucked up. And I'm just waiting for them to cut away right before the bandsaw hits the flesh of this dismembered leg. No, nope, they just show him just like there's not it's not bloody or anything like that because it's a dismembered leg that's been drained of most of its blood. But he just kind of see him make a couple cuts. He saws the foot off and he starts making another cut. You just see him start turning this 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 human leg into the, the, these uh, cuts of meat that, you know, he's going to cook up and make. He makes a lot of food for so one person only eats all this stuff, though. He must have a lot of leftovers. I was going to say, we've seen before that he's a big believer in saving up his food for later and uh, yeah, or sharing with others. People. He will have a big dinner party. He just doesn't tell people that, oh, yeah, we're eating the face of the, the, the dude we caught last week or something like that, yeah. So the uh, um uh the... That opening fight scene made me want to rewatch Valhalla Rising, yeah. which I've talked about briefly in the podcast before, I believe. It's a, and I'm going to say his name wrong, a Nicholas Winding Refn movie where he wanted to make, he's like, wouldn't it be great if I could make like an, an LSD like trip like in a movie? So there's a lot of dumb garbage in it, but it's starring Mads Mikkelsen as this murderous Viking bastard named One Eye. And there's a lot of really intense, brutal fight scenes in it. And, uh, I, I, and, and Hannibal is so, um, uh, like, um, like so perfect and like perfectly placed and perfectly posed that you forget like that the dude is just a brute. Like he mm-hmm. is a beast and that he is just like a fucking and 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 mads mickelson is so good at bringing that physicality to the role which is fascinating because for the most part it's all about control and not being physical and very subtle things to then see him like swing on the spectrum and just start fucking flip out is phenomenal phenomenal it was funny last night before i went to bed i was reading up about how well i was reading about brian fuller's seven-year plan for uh Hannibal and how it'll tie into the, you know, uh, all the other Hannibal books and stuff like that. And I was watching clips of what's his face, the guy who played Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins, where like suddenly like it's funny now that Anthony like Hannibal is now officially Mads Mikkelsen to me. And watching the Anthony Hopkins version of Hannibal Lecter, it's kind of like oh that's cute, but like doesn't really <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I, my brain has officially made that 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 switch over to where yeah, my Mads Mikkelsen, he's my doctor. <laughs> Um, my doctor Lecter, that is. Actually, Mads Mikkelsen, that'd be a great doctor right there. Just call it kind of cold and just like, what are you doing? I man, I got bored yesterday and I spent like five minutes trying to figure out how to talk like Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> uh, because you know it's it's really healthy to be a guy who lives in a basement trying to pretend <laughs> to sound like a serial killer. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, what what you're doing, weird? How can I help you? With I, I am your psychiatrist. Uh, it's 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 hard to sound like Matt Mickelson without sounding like you're trying to do some kind of racist Chinese bullshit. Oh, um, well, no, it's very kind of like oh, what are you doing? Because he has his weird lips, and he's all like, I don't know how to help you. He's a guy like weird little li- liver lips. It's hard to replicate the, his speech patterns, but yeah, and that dude tears him off, tears him, himself out of that eyeball thing. Now, I did not watch that part. I uh, I that was fucking gruesome. Why, in fact, what I occupied myself doing that with was a uh, my new smartphone. I got a smartphone, everybody. I finally joined the current generation of phone havers. Um, the a friend of mine, so Foley, my wife Foley has an iPhone and loves it to death. And we're big in the cult of Apple in our household. But I can't bring myself to pay however much for a phone. And then on top of that, between the two of us. Uh, well, the uh, service and the hardware. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, a, that's a lethal combination of, of uh, to your finances. Yeah. A data plan would be about $140 a month for the both Oof. of us, even with um, uh, my a discount that I get from my workplace. Yeah, that's rough. And I just couldn't swing it. And uh, but I my phone broke back in October. I've not had a phone since October, and uh, finally, like I just really really needed one. And a coworker of mine uses a uh, service with a company, and I don't want to name names or anything because I don't know if they're any good yet, so I don't want to give them any credit. But uh, it's uh, twenty five dollars a month for a data plan, and that's my budget right there. So I finally now have a smartphone. It's really exciting. I could be contacted again. And it's strange because it's an Android, and I have no experience with Androids, uh, mm-hmm. with the OS or anything like that. And, like, the little bit of culture shock going from iOS to Android has really yeah. been throwing me. Which, well, by the way, whoever really... wants to make the jump to Android, at least you can help her uh, help her out that way. But, yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's nice to be dependent on not something that's not entirely within Apple bullshit, because who knows? Like, yeah, you should never lean too hard on any on the consumer environment of any one kind of corporation or product. Exactly. And we already, well, uh, we as consumers already have such little choice in yeah. stuff like that. It's nice to at least, I don't know. What sucks though is that I am really effectively already in the um, Apple family of products. Like I'm like, well, I can't listen. Well, to I know that feeling. Yeah. I I've can't got, listen to my iTunes on this. I can't push to my Apple TVs. Like, yeah, I mean, I live in a house where we've we've got three Apple TVs. We've got like half a dozen MacBooks. We've got like two or three iPads, like several iPhones, like everything. This house runs on Apple bullshit. Yeah. And if anything ever happens to Apple, we're not to say that the companies aren't going to business anytime soon, but if they suddenly decide to make some move where we don't like to agree with them politically or anything like that, and like we want to start switching over some other kind of tech thing, that like yeah, we'd have to like replace everything we own with like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's all run by Foxconn again. Everything we <laughs> going back to. Uh, Let's not even. I can't even have that conversation. So anyway, I finally have a phone, and any friends who may be listening to this, I am now reachable by phone. I just transferred my numbers. (laughs) You know, surprised they let you look up stuff about Foxconn on MacBooks or iPads. Because I was in, I I was reading about Foxconn the other day on my iPad. This felt like grungy because they were talking about the living conditions of everyone who, like, like a quarter of, like, there's a quarter million people working at Foxconn. I I can't talk about this. It's really way too depressing. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like so, looking in the mirror. It's just, in it, oh, other and, news. Oh. Uh, in other news. <laughs> uh, 
the other uh, really self-indulgent thing I did last week was uh, Foley and I finished playing the beta for uh, the Elder Scrolls Online. Is that over now? It it was only for the weekend. It was only Friday. Oh, really? Saturday, oh I thought it was Sunday. like a more long. Hey, is the beta for Final Fantasy fourteen still going? I I deleted it, dude. I hated that so I, much. The, I downloaded it. It was like fucking fourteen gigs, and I downloaded it just to watch you play, and I haven't touched it since then, like two weeks ago. I it I immediately it was so clear to me that it's not anything I want to do. But the yeah. thing about Elder Scrolls Online is that it really was just such a pleasure to sit in our office and play with my wife. So I'm an idiot, and on in April I'm going to spend $120 to buy two copies of it so we can both play together. Is it going to be on Steam? Because if you wait a month after that, you'll be able to buy both copies for 50 bucks. It is not on Steam, Bill. No. It is not. So really, uh, does Steam do like MMOs? Yeah. They do sound like okay. you can get the secret world, but that's one of those things where they may as well just sell it to you direct. It'll probably be on Steam eventually, but right now I'm not pre-ordering it. They you don't play that often... shit. It's launching on Mac, right? Yeah. Okay, good. That's how I was able to play it. Um, uh, we uh, they don't often do flash sales on MMOs. You know, it's like no. that's where they get a good chunk of their nut. Is it not free to play? Because that's what no. most MMOs. Oh, really? So it is a subscription. Like you, you have to. Is it subscription based? Twenty bucks a month. Holy shit, that's archaic. I mean, we'll see how long that lasts. You know, it's wow. Just long yeah, you know what? Long. You might just want to wait three months, and then that'll you'll be able to buy the game for twenty bucks, and it'll be free to play. Or there's no games out, and it's a game I want to play with my wife, so I'll just really? play it. Yeah, I have no. Yeah. Qual- I don't want to play free to play games because they're not really free to play. I don't like are, all the other garbage to it. Are you not going to be busy with Titanfall this summer? All, <laughs> all throughout the summer, every uh-huh. day, all day. Yeah. Titanfall. Yeah. Uh huh. You're not, not going to play. What's the are there, what's the next console game you're gonna buy? Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs. You're not gonna buy Infamous Second Son for your PlayStation. No, 4? I don't know, man. I never liked any of the Infamous games. I may... I've never played them. I just know people are flipping out because it's something new to play on the PlayStation Four. Uh, I so I for, at some point Infamous was free for download on PS3 and I downloaded it and I know I should like it, but there's just something about it that doesn't click with me. Well, it's um, combat-wise or story-wise? Yeah, combat-wise. Okay. I don't know. I just didn't – I wasn't really digging it. I know that it's essentially – like, I love that kind of gar- game where it's just a big open world where you just fuck around with it and, tick, you know, tick the ticky boxes and complete stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's just not clicking with me. I may borrow it from someone and give it a shot and then maybe buy it, but it, I'm you, not very compelled by it. Did you see anyone flipping out about how the, the graphic quality of Watch Dogs supposedly has taken a huge hit since the last time they showed it in public? Oh no! There is. This is mostly based off of <laughs> one bit of footage that came out. Well, I guess they announced that Watch Dogs is officially coming out. Uh, was it May twenty seventh? Uh, Watch Dogs finally has an, an actual release date, which it's, it's never had before. This, the Watch Dogs, supposedly the first big next generation game, which is it's no longer that now. Um, but there was a new. Uh, teaser trailer for the game put out along with this new release date information uh-huh. and part of the trailer shows this car jumping over this bridge that's being raised in the middle of chicago and the lighting and everything on this car on this one little bit of footage looks like something from like a like a playstation 2 game it looks fucking terrible and so people compared that to a similar scene in one of the reveal trailers from like two years ago yeah. where like a reveal trailer was like it took place at night and all this like rain falling on this car and was gleaming and all this crazy reflections and wet, wet, uh, uh, wet ground and all this stuff. Yeah. And then this new footage, it really, it's this 
no lighting effects, flat polygons, terrible. Just looks like ass. And just this one clip that they took out of this uh, trailer just to show, like, oh my god, this game's gonna look like a fucking Xbox One. Well, <laughs> uh, not an Xbox One game, but a first generation Xbox game. My um, my only response to that is any asshole who sees development footage from two yeah, years before launch and think that's indicative of what the final well, product is gonna be look like. We're also comparing the footage from this most recent trailer that came out this week to like some of the pre-rendered shit from yeah. the teaser trailer from two. And like that, that's not even like it's pre-rendered. How do you even compare it to that much less anything that's supposed to be in-game? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Um, just as a side note, Jacob, uh, dear listener, uh, iHeartDRM points out that the first season of Hannibal is uh, available for streaming for free for any Amazon Prime members. Oh, okay, good time. So yeah. if y'all are so inclined. You know what? They, that must be on Blu-ray right now. That would be something – if they have uh, some decent making of features on there, that would be actually something fun to watch. Because also Hannibal on Blu-ray, just like that kind of – if you're going to watch that show, you should watch it in the best visual. Yeah, in the highest definition. Yeah, that, that's – yeah, 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 yeah. Because it looks like a movie. It, yeah, it's beautiful. But anyway, not to distract from. Uh, Looks uh, better than Watch Dogs. <laughs> Watch Dogs. I don't know, man. I like my expectations for any multi-platform release are kind of different from what I would expect. Like, if Watch Dogs had been in development for just PS4 or even PS4 and Xbox One from day one, mm-hmm. I would maybe like really have high expectations. But anytime we're yeah, like, no, this is. I mean, Titanfall, yeah, last talk about how Titanfall is going to be this amazing game. That's also been developed for the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. And so, and people are upset because that game, like, uses the Valve Source Engine, which is a 10-year-old engine now. They're like, why don't they use something new and more advanced? But they need something that's going to run easily on an Xbox 360. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, they're, they're still, the developers are still being um, hobbled by the fact that they still have to cater to this, you know, 10 year old technology. So you, you yeah. don't expect so much out of these games right now. Yeah. Uh, probably not until next year where you start actually seeing more games. Most games coming out will probably be start, uh, be, will be built up from the ground up for, for next gen consoles. But yeah, that's yeah. not going to happen for another year. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to get Watch Dogs mostly just because it's the only game coming out for PS4 over like the next coming months that I actually care about. <laughs> Well, do you know anything about the gameplay or the story or anything? Because I've not even been paying attention. All I know is it looks like it's it's Assassin's Creed, except instead of using uh, knifey blades in your hand, you're using a smartphone to, like, blow no, off the, the traffic lights, cause a uh, car accident. The uh, It seems like um, basically like a Assassin's Creed sort of game in that they'll have, like, hand-to-hand combat. And then in addition to that, yeah, hacking is basically environmental puzzles, which I'm intrigued by. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could care less about that game aesthetically or visually. Frankly, I'm only, I'm not even really excited about that game, which is ridiculous that I have it pre-ordered. I just kind of want to play something on my PS4. I know, yeah. <laughs> Didn't something come out this week? Like, that's starting to become at least a little more consistent from week to week. At least something on retail coming out for the for the new consoles. But, yeah, I mean, not not if it's like console exclusive or like next gen exclusive stuff. But no. yeah, yeah. Woof, woof. Um, let's see what else we want to talk about. Uh, Parks and Rec was really good this week. I enjoyed it. What happened? Uh, Ron Swanson took his baby and helped used his baby to help remodel the third floor you know of the office building. On that show, I keep on waiting because the, the the whole season arc this 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 year for Parks and Recreation is uh, Leslie Nope. She lost her job as a uh, councilwoman for uh, Pawnee. and I keep waiting for them to for her finally announce that decide that she's going to run for mayor for that goddamn town. 
And so I keep on expecting like stuff like this week where Ron Swanson is completely renovating this part of City Hall. That like I keep on expecting it to turn out that that renovated a room is going to turn out to be the office of the future mayor Leslie Nope or something like that, where it's going to tie into like her finally deciding that she needs to be leaving this goddamn town, not just being this random person just working on the French. But I don't know. Those are a very cute episode. I like that. Ron Swanson got a baby now. John Swanson. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do you want to say anything about True Detective, Bill? Uh, just that the finale airs tonight. Oh. And yeah, I was hoping Annie could have seen a little bit of it, uh, but this this week, so we could have talked at least about some of these. True, True Detective. It's not so much about the plot, just like any real noir. It's more about atmosphere. Well, this is a debate we could probably ha- actually have because I argue that noir is more about. It's not, not it's necessarily about, about plot or character. It's about yeah, yeah more about tone, mm-hmm. and that that's the real reason why I like True Detective. Uh, the fact that yeah. it's a uh, very beautiful television noir, kind of like Hannibal. Um, the acting and everything is really well done, and the uh, the place where it takes place in the deep south with a whole bunch of boony characters and stuff. It's just yeah. it's a it's a part of America you don't get to see portrayed semi-realistically yeah. on television. Very I always do enjoy noir that's in your like noir. Yeah, your neck of the woods. It's, it's not, not just yeah. Well, no, 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 and it's not noir. Like so, I have this whole thing about there are westerns that are westerns in tone versus westerns in setting. Yeah. You know, because you can have something that is tonally a Western where it is not actually set in a Western sort of setting. Mm -hmm. I think noir is kind of similar because when you say noir, people think of a very particular setting. So I really like noir. City bullshit. Exactly. I really like noir that is noir in tone, but not noir in setting. That's one of the reasons why I like Justified. Yeah. Well, especially, yeah, because when I was describing the show to you, you were like, well, that sounds exactly like Justified. And... Well, oh, I don't think justified. it seems like they're very different sort of beasts. Yeah, you know, but it's still southern fried detective stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, but like I said, yeah, you might want to start watching some of that today, just so you get legs up, because everyone online is probably going to be flipping out that about that finale tonight. Not that you should watch to finish watching the show by tonight, but this yeah. week is going to be a lot of people going, "Oh my God, did you hear?" There's going to be lots of spoilers, so if you want to finish it sooner than later. But then again, yeah. noir is one of those things where spoilers don't matter so much. Yeah, well, that's it is about tone. well, this is one of the other things people have been complaining about: the lack of uh, strong female characters on True Detective. I can't remember if we talked about this last week. We did, yeah. And my argument is that that that's not necessarily you don't you don't come to noir for strong characters, regardless if they're gender. Uh, you can there might be strong character archetypes, but like my only know. my only counterpoint with that is that usually there's like a there's like a character that's usually pretty developed and pretty defined yeah and, and it's not kinda, like the cast yeah. around them not necessarily so much yeah and well, especially true detective is so much about like the perspective of these two guys it's like a kind of dual nature of masculinity i think i may even mention that last week that i think there's not a lot of room for characters in that show that are not just like you know wives or daughters or girlfriends or like you know it's it's ah, 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 which is again that can be a lazy that that, that, could, that could be a lazy justification for crappy writing for all kinds of female characters in, in male yeah. driven shows yeah but i don't know it's not about the fact that it's paired with the whole noir thing is kind of, i don't know we, we'll talk about that once you've seen some of the show we can actually talk get into that you can um, always say that like when there's when 
it's an easy excuse that when um, the archetype that's inherent in a genre is like involves racism or poor female characters that then it's like, oh, well, that's just that thing. And it's, that's kind of a justification. It's like an excuse. It's not really any sort of justification, though. Yeah. Like I've seen people get ex- upset that there's not more black characters on True Detective. Like it's about it's 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 about a bunch of white cops in in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and there's black characters to sh- like show up, but it's not like I don't know. It's you're kind of coming to the wrong place. I also will say well that rounded as a white man, your sensitivity to lack well, of I know, but that's, black that's, or female characters is different. I know, different. I know, <laughs> and and like and again, just because you say, well, there's not a lot of this is this is of a certain time and place, that's never an excuse for. Not. It's kind of like uh, with Foley and I. So I have a lot of uh, homophobia that's just kind of in me, and yeah, I yeah, you're struggling about all the time. this. And I did not understand that at all coming from. Oh, the dude, game I have it all. That's are you kidding? Like, really? you're like totally self-loathing homophobia. Like, for example, this is a very good example. Um, my wife is really sensitive to lesbian portrayals and a lack of lesbian portrayals in media. And we'll mm-hmm. watch a movie, like, for example, if she were to watch True Detective, she might say something like, man, I wish there was a lesbian in there. Or, like, if there is a lesbian, like, man, I really like that. Whereas my knee-jerk reaction to whenever Foley is like, man, this would be great if they were just lesbians. Or, or like, if we're talking about a story, like, what if we make this person lesbian? My knee-jerk reaction is like, it's always goddamn lesbians with you, more lesbians, Christ! Like, get over it. Don't <laughs> have a dyke all the time. Maybe you're just tired of hearing about les. Like, maybe no, just like that's not, not what really- it is. Dude. Or maybe lesbians just can't be wedged into everything. No, like, that's, or, like, not that's not what the it automatic is, solution. Dude. That is not. It that is, just is not what this is. It is like a deep-rooted homophobia, dude. It's like I have a weird, like. It's like the whole thing, like the study they did where if like they're more than 13% of women, or if they're like 13% of a room is women, then people think it's 50-50. Yeah. It's like I weirdly have like this reverse, like, I don't know, man. It's okay. just, I know that's just an example, but that's like living with a furry and someone's like, I, no, I think this show would be better if everyone had tails. That's you're not, not, just, you're not is, exactly furry phobic if you're just like, okay, let's not talk It'd about be... these characters having tails. No, it'd be one thing if she were, like, literally bringing it up, like, she's like, oh, Hannibal would be so much better if Hannibal were a lesbian. That's not what it is, dude. She will look at a scenario and a character where it's actually would be thematically appropriate and interesting to make a character a lesbian, and my knee-jerk response is always like, eee. And that's how it is with a lot of things. I was watching Lost Girl with with my housemates, and I was like, oh, man, it'd be something if this, this main female character were a lesbian, and holy shit, I made it happen with a wish. Good for you, Bill. Good job. <laughs> I was like, am I warping reality with my thoughts now? No, she's not a lesbian. She's just bisexual, right? Man, if that show doesn't end with a bisexual threesome with Dyson and Bo and Lauren, wait, I'm going to be so mad. Be, wait, wait, which character? Because I've, I've seen the show, but I can't remember what the characters' names are. The Doctor is yeah. Lauren. The Werewolf is Dyson. The main ma- And uh, the protagonist leader. is Bo. Yeah. Okay. I want a threesome so bad it's not even funny. Who's the hot who's the hot goth best friend? Kenzie. Oh, you're on you're of course you're on team Kenzie. Yeah, you don't want her involved in there? No. No, because no, you don't do Kenzie is the sister. Like Kenzie is Bo's sister. There's nothing that makes me more mad than sexualizing friendships that are like a sibling friendship, which is why I'm mad at JK Rowling about Harry and Hermione. Okay. You fucker. <laughs> All I'm saying is that I've always seen online the animated gif of a girl going tick tick boom 
And then I finally saw that that's, that that's actually that character from that show. Then I was like, oh, okay, that's where my boner came from. Did you recognize her from Black Swan? Wait, what? She Ken, The girl who plays Kenzie is actually a ballerina. And uh, she plays in Black Swan. She's the um, lead ballerina that the protagonist is jealous of. Annie, I remember so little about Black Swan. <laughs> We saw that in the theater, me, you, and Dylan together. That was I, such... I paid for y'all's tickets. That was that was no, that was a great evening. I that man, that audience got their fucking money value out of that. You're seeing that it was not a thing where it was a bad movie. It was just like watching fucking movie. It was like watching like Lifetime Television while on LSD. It was it was the Will Graham version of. Oh my god, that movie was bonkers. Oh man, I still. Uh, that's a movie where Natalie Portman masturbated against a pillow in front of Barbara Hershey. In front of in front of Barbara Hershey, <laughs> and then Winona Ryder stabs herself in the face with scissors, and then Natalie Portman turns into a duck, <laughs> and then gets applause. Yay. And then does Mila Kunis like kill someone or something or? Oh God, that that movie. Black Swan. Mm-hmm. We should do a commentary. Boy, how do you? There commentary? we go. There we I'm go. That's just going. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that Darren Aronofsky? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then didn't he do the? I need to watch that. The Wrestler back to back. Have you seen The Wrestler? I've not. I've heard good things about it, and supposedly, like, I've heard people say they are two like two halves of a piece. Yeah, I've I've heard that because it's about the female version and the male version of. Like public performance, the thing you things you do to like destroy your body to do this and yeah. do that, and that's not wrong. And then he made Noah. That's true, man. I want to see Noah. That garbage movie. I want to see that garbage movie. So I, bad. you know what? I had no interest until you told me that Jennifer Connelly is playing Henley, uh, Hermione Granger's mom, and then I was like, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I just want to see them. I don't want to see them make out. I'm not in in a sense. I just want to see them have a family dinner together. <sighs> Just hang and out. with that, friends, we're going to take a break, and we'll not be back. Not in a bad way. I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying Hannibal Queen. makes the dinner. In I just, so wait, who's the dad? So it's Jennifer Connelly married to Noah. Gladiator? Yeah. That is, why is she, because I know she's older, but she's not, like, 80 years old like, like Gladiator. Here, I'm going to look it up. How old is Jennifer Connelly? Maybe she's just wearing being 50 better than... She is 43 years old. Oh, she's not... Oh, really? Yeah. She's not old. Holy crap. I mean, she's and old for, like, old Hollywood actors. Russell Crowe. Crow. Russell Crowe is 49. That is not that much of an age difference. Oh, wow. Them. That's horrifying to think that they... Like, that's... Oh. Yeah, that they're age appropriate. Less yeah. Age gap than that. Yeah, uh-huh. Ugh. Oh, dear See, well, I picture uh, the uh, I, when I picture Jennifer Connelly getting as old as Russell Crowe, I imagine her getting the beard. And as 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 an old couple, they just hang out and they're just like. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're gonna take a break and be back for the what geek. What the hell was the sound effect was that? What sound yeah, we'll be back with our Mandalorian guards. <laughs> It does look like a recording of you, Bill. <laughs> it won't stop. <sighs> All right, friends, I'm going to take a bathroom break. I'm oh, back. my God. I love the show. I love everyone involved with it. I love everyone watching. Oh, my God. I 
I'm assuming this is the Ewok stuff. South Park game. The goddamn kids. I forgot in South Park anyone who's like under the age of 10, they just actually get real little kids to do the voice of. Yeah. And there's a part where you have to do hide and seek. Well, there's a couple of parts where little little kids show up. And that that is actually the genuinely cutest part of the whole South Park universe is is, is talking to little kids who are just yeah. like, I'm the Pirate King! And yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <sighs> good shit. Alright, friend, are you ready to come Ooh. back to I had such a good time while you were gone, you don't even understand. I'm so glad. I'm so glad well, you had like fun while I drank some water like... and took a whiz. Did yeah, really? <laughs> oh, we already hit that. <laughs> okay, should we start again? Hey, hey, uh, how, how do you feel knowing that you're, you're just willingly spending your Saturday, Sunday afternoon listening to uh, an idiot? Play Star Wars sounds over the it's internet. It's one o'clock. <laughs> it's one o'clock. I know. Time is messing us up. What are you doing for lunch today? Uh, I'm making. I got some turkey and some uh, cheese and some crackers. I'm gonna have a make my own lunchables. Did you see they have a lunchables for adults now? They've had it for a while. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, it's called like a protein pack. No, no, it's like officially like what's like like because like, you don't want to come out and say that like they're not. They're not gonna call it Lunchables for adults. They're gonna say like, but it really is just like cubes of cheese and chicken and, and stuff. Well, yeah, I saw they had like this this big Lunchables thing, and I was like, I could buy that, or I could buy this turkey for like a quarter of the price and go home and have cheese and crackers and call it good. Cheese and crackers so. for lunch. With with turkey, yeah. Oh yeah, you can make little turkey tur- cheese turkey sandwiches. Oh, you're still sober this week, right? Yes. Okay, good. Congratulations. I am four weeks sober, officially a month sober. Yeah, well, I was going to make the joke that you could, like, uh, have, well, like, wine and crackers, but, like, you're not you're not drinking the wine. Congratulations. Uh, a month and a half ago, I would have, and that's part of the reason why I now need to be sober. Oh, man, so we went to El Indio last night for a Bahar's birthday dinner, and there was a drink called, like, the Consuela, which is seven different kinds of booze just dumped into a bowl with ice mm-hmm. and fruit juice. And yeah, really most was... most places that serve booze have a drink that should just be called the dare, and that's yeah, where it's pretty much they just take the runoff from the bar mm-hmm. and put it in a bowl and, and charge you to drink it. Yeah, stuff they would normally just be throwing away, like you know, here's here's yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, should we start the second half of the podcast? That's, yes, let's that's do gonna the thing. Be, the Geek Weekend News and Review this week is gonna be five minutes long. Hey everybody, it's time for the Geek Week in Review. We don't have much to say because there wasn't much to happen this week that we're aware of uh, that we want to talk about. So it's all vi- also it's almost entirely video game stuff. So come back later yeah, if you yeah. don't like video games. No. Well, it's all not even just video game stuff, but related to our one of our favorite video game companies, Naughty Dog. Man, and I know so I'm not looking forward to talking to you about. Why? What do you think? Like, I think like that. Like, why? What am I gonna say that's bad about this? Uh, so, Amy, I got like Han Solo today. Speaking of Star Wars sound effects, I got the Han Solo hair a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying my hair is the only good part of me that I'm like, if I die, don't donate this part of my body to to, to someone who deserves it. 
You do have good hair, Bill. You I do. Have, I mean, it's kind of soft. It looks weird right now, but I'm just saying, when I style it, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, yeah, I, I, I got Harrison Ford hair. I don't got Harrison Ford anything else. I got Harrison <laughs> Ford man boobs, <laughs> unfortunately, but no one wants that. That's that's a negative. The big news this week was Amy Hennig is no longer employee of Naughty Dog. Yeah, uh, Amy was, Hennig. Uh, she was part of Naughty Dog for ten years, and was she the creator of? The Uncharted series. I know she yes. was the head writer, creative. Yeah, she was the creative director this. of all the Naughty Do- of all the Uncharted games, and she's yeah. no, no longer with uh, Uncharted or with a uh, uh, Naughty Dog. Well, it pretty yeah. the it was first a rumor, later confirmed by Sony. It seems to be a very kind of. Abrupt and unexpected things. Naughty Dog says that the development of the next Uncharted game will not be impacted. Yeah. And the obnoxious as balls video game rumor mill immediately decided that this was uh, Bruce Staley and Neil Druckmann running her out, which is total bullshit to anyone who's actually paid attention to those three people. Ever. I don't know what happened. Well, no, they. What's have your inside only... scoop then? If that's not no, I'm not saying that's what happened, but okay, what's your side of the side of the story that you suspect? What, what's your take? What's uh, your inside baseball scoop? Well, okay, I genuinely, any time I've ever heard those people discussing each other, it's been with tones of respect and genuine like fondness. The, those are three people who seem to have a genuine fondness for each other, and yeah. um. I totally didn't believe that narrative. It got to the point where every single uh, games journalism uh, like corner ran with that rumor, and uh, it was well, there was re- nothing got, else to say. That that was yeah. the bad thing of that, like in no in in a vacuum when there's no news, people resort exactly. to making shit up or rep- re- reporting uh, news and. Uh, Rumors in innuendo. Exactly. I mean, to be fair, Amy Hennig's departure wasn't even announced publicly. It was just, it just kind of happened. So the rumors happened too. But uh, um, it got to the point where the presidents of Naughty Dog actually had to release a statement. Like, Which they should have anticipated this. You don't have yeah. the creative lead for a studio's largest franchise just leave yeah. out of nowhere with no news, no context for it, yeah. and, 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 and not have people expect the worst. Especially since Uncharted has been... Uh, in the in 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 the gaming public's eye, kind of eclipsed by The Last of Us in terms of yeah. attention and, and fan adoration, yeah. that people could very easily just insin- insinuate this is Amy Hennig if she wasn't being pushed out that she left in a fit because now suddenly she wasn't the studio's golden child. There's there's 13 different ways you could take this the yeah. wrong way. I will and... say this for sure. What little I know of Amy Hennig is that she seems like an intensely private person. Yeah. And we will probably never know what happened for yeah. that reason. Um, I can imagine her asking that it be kind of quiet. It could be just as mundane as her contract could have just been up, and she just decided, well, you know, do, do I sign another five-year contract with these people, or do I, do I go out, go off and do my own thing? And, like, maybe I, don't I just know, don't want to spend another five years working on Uncharted. Like, um, I don't know, man. That doesn't seem like... The, <clears throat> I, the vibe I really get is that she did not make this choice. See, that's what I'm saying, but, then, like, everyone has to resort to, like, the vibe I get. Which yeah. is not the news, but who knows? But yeah, like, what what would force her to leave the company against her will? Like, what's my going guess on would there? be either the her vision for the new Uncharted game was not what Sony wanted, which would be crazy, especially since Sony seems to be, I. But 
they've trusted her unless Uncharted 3 sold, unless there was something about Uncharted 3 had sold so badly or something like that where they weren't really really willing to trust her blindly for whatever her vision for Uncharted 4 and what would have been like what little know, we know of Uncharted for PS4 is that it's called Uncharted not Uncharted 4 which implies some sort of reboot or some sort of fresh well, approach and so people have been assuming that what because they only announced that there's going to be some kind of Uncharted thing coming sometime soon and some people are speculating what's actually going to happen is later on this year, what we're going to get is just a couple next-gen, uh, essentially a box set of next-gen remakes over the first three Uncharted that essentially keeps the production, the Uncharted team at Uncharted busy until they could start work on, on like, or at least uh, something about how that would keep the team busy until they can f- finally start work, well, not start work, but finish off Uncharted 4, which would be coming for dedicated for next-gen consoles for next year. I've heard people, that that's a rumor. But again, because we have no news from Naughty Dog, everyone's taken up to... I mean, if you wanted to introduce... If there's a game in development that's for a PlayStation 4, which is going to require a lot of development, why would you have... Have to keep yeah, the team I know. busy making a port. Well, it depends on which part of the development team because I don't know, it just depends on who's doing what. Maybe like they'd be free right now because they're not going to be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's it's yeah. That's the thing. It's like game development is such a weirdly veiled process anyway. And like I said, Amy Hennig seems to be such a private person. The way way that Neil Druckmann and Bruce Staley, I would say mostly Neil Druckmann because Bruce Staley also seems like a kind of quiet. What's guy Bruce too. Daly do? Because I know everyone talks about uh, Druckmann essentially the Amy. Hennig of Last of Us. What does Bruce Daly do? Where um where Neil Druckmann was kind of the creative director and helping with kind of the vision for the care like all the creative aspects. Um Bruce Daly is more I think is more of a technical director and also like kind of more of a producer as opposed to uh, like yeah. Well, I think he's like the game, basically like the game design director. Like okay. or obviously um Neil, Neil Druckmann is very closely attached to um. Uh, uh, level design as well. I think that he was more uh, Bruce Daly is more the technical director of the game. Okay. Having said that, talking out of my ass, um, we've talked out of our ass about Naughty Dog before. We could be doing it again. But either way, at the end of the day, Amy Hennig is a genuine hero and inspiration for me. Um, and in a tiny part of me is excited to see what she can do if she were making something new. Because I really, I, I, I worry for Uncharted without Amy Hennig because she so much is Uncharted. But um, I think she's developed strong enough characters that perhaps others can carry it. But at the end of the day, but, I really want to see what yeah. she does. What I'm she not, d- yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I want to see what she can do when she's not necessarily tied to a franchise. Yeah, and she's been working on Uncharted for a better part of 10 years now, so yeah, I'd yeah. imagine she's got some ideas for some games that aren't necessarily Uncharted. Yeah. Uh, hopefully those ideas don't necessarily involve... Uh, th- hopefully those ideas don't need, like, a 200-people AAA development team that's going to, you know, require a budget of, like, $50 million to make a game. Um, I mean, that's a nice thing now that, like smaller game development is being embraced more often that it's it's there's there's at least i don't know it's people have talked about over the course of the last 10 years that uh medium-sized video game development has kind of collapsed you don't see any retail games anymore that really aren't triple a games yeah but the indie games market has kind of come in and helped fill that gap where um you can make and produce and distribute games that aren't necessarily like yeah it's 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 me it's 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 stuff you can't buy at retail but stuff that's uh, available exclusively through digital distribution you know steam and stuff where uh like like gone home like and you know where it's narrative based games that would not be published by any kind of major 
a publisher at retail, but like I don't know, it's there's at least there's more opportunities for somebody like Amy Hennig to make a game that would be interesting that wouldn't require someone like Sony to publish it that she can make that. I'm sure there's I hope hopefully there's enough people out there who would be drawn to her that would help her make something. I don't know, it's it's. I'll just say this: If Amy Hennig's name were on a Kickstarter, I'd pitch in a few hundred bucks. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. On the flip side, I don't know how interested I am in an Uncharted game that doesn't have Amy, Amy Hennig involved, because like, yeah. yeah, she really is the creator of that series. I mean, like, yeah, you could bluff it and kind of like have someone else take over Uncharted. You probably do it in a way that most people wouldn't notice. But still, I'm not really interested in seeing what Elena or Chloe do if it's not Amy Hennig. Like writing what the words coming out of their mouth. I I, I don't like well this this because I really don't care so much about Amy Heading being a lady, so much because I just like the stuff she creates. Yeah. But I think when it comes to like uh, Chloe and Elena, the fact that she has like really awesome female characters there, females, um, that's I don't know if I'm really interested in hearing a guy write those characters. Not to say it would be like wildly different. Like suddenly like they'd get like fucking D cups and be stripping for Drake and Sully all the time. But I. I don't know it's it's I don't know. Ah, I don't know. it's it's tricky whenever you have someone who is the heart and soul of a franchise leave the franchise then what is the franchise and that it's doesn't like, actually have to spell instant doom for anything but you never know how that's going to change that franchise i would just argue that i'm less concerned if it's this i agree an uncharted game without amy hennig is going to be tricky i'm still going to buy it and play it because if it's still the rest of the team like where i a game yeah because yeah uh, yeah that's another thing too where amy hennig is not it's not like she made that game single-handedly but she at the end but she is the heart of that i, I don't yeah. know it's, it's something that at the end of the day i just root for amy hennig in this news and i i just respect the hell out of that lady and i want her to be well and i want her to be successful and i want her to be happy so whatever happened i just hope that the next thing that comes her way is something that she's happy with and something that brings her brings her even a fraction as much joy as she has given me in my life yeah and it's funny that this is second week in a row where our leading news is major video game developer leaves so-and-so development team or that team gets shut down in favor of something else. Who knows what that's going to be, but... It's a weird time in gaming right now. I mean, it has yeah. been for a while, but, man, yeah. Well, people, like, this is another thing people have talked about, like AAA video game development is slowly dying. Yeah. And uh, some people already said that, like, it's it's dead, but it just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Which, that's entirely possible where it's it really has gotten to the point where video games cannot sustain every video game having to be, like, a $100 million budget game yeah. that needs to sell... 8 million copies to make its money back. That's just not viable anymore. Yeah. Especially as uh, entertainment options for people is becoming so much more varied these days. It's not just yeah. about video games, but like you can play games on your phone and do all this other stuff. But like, like yeah. yeah. Like, and it's, it's not it's, like, you could argue, like the first thing I think of is like, oh, it's like movies, but it's not because a movie has so many chances to make money and to make its money back. Yeah. Like, movies aren't dependent on... Uh, your the, the the DVD player that you're watching on being exactly. up to snuff for the latest generation. It's not it's not so tech based. Movies the, don't have a six month window of profitability. Yeah, well, that's one of the other things with indie game development right now. Those those games you really usually develop the you can pretty much you can play a lot of those games on almost any kind of platform, be it like different like dedicated consoles or PCs or even smartphones and things like that. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, this I don't know, and I'm so conflicted about everything too because. 
me being not particularly interested in Uncharted without Amy Hennig, it's a little bit like me why I have yet to even try The Walking Dead season two yet because I know even though the guys who did make the first Walking Dead season uh, for for Telltale mm -hmm. uh, did work on the second season, the fact that they weren't there to see it through to the end, I'm just kind of like, oh. oh. I didn't talk about the second season of Walking Dead. I forgot Is about it, it good? during my recap. Am I going to regret not having uh, played it? Uh, I liked that Christmas Duck from Gone Home showed up in it. That made me happy. Is it an actual, is it an actual call out to that? Yeah, well, yeah, it's totally the Christmas. Well, Nick Brecken, who is uh, one of the writers of the series, is an idle thumb. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's totally Christmas duck. Well, Andy, there's so many Christmas ducks in pop culture in general, though. How can, <laughs> how can you really do How can I distinguish? Yeah. Um, but, uh, ah, man, so I'm enjoying it. But I'm thinking about it. It's kind of interesting. There, there is a a paper to be written about um, uh, secondary care female secondary characters who you uh, have to protect, then becoming the protagonist of the game and scaling it. Like I feel like between Ellie and Clementine and soon to be Elizabeth, there's like something to to observe in in those three things. But uh, it's interesting because Clementine. I like Clementine as a character, but the fact of the matter is there's not much to her because the, the whole point of the first season of The Walking Dead is that she is this innocent that you want to protect. And despite what you've done in your past, you want to keep her safe. Yeah. And it's interesting to play her. I still like her as a character, and at the end of the day, it's great to have a a girl who's like 11 years old as a protagonist of a game. It were it's like actually you were you get a sense of her personality. But the fact of the matter is that she's so focused on the business of survival, you don't get any sense of the person that she is. Yeah. And on top of that, since it's a game where it's all about choice and reactivity. She is even more of a cipher because, you know, I, I can't even say, oh, well, she's tough as nails and stands up for herself because that's just my playthrough. Yeah. Like, you can say that to uh, Lee as well, but Lee had a sense of being a character to me. And, like, well, he had, he had, there was more room in that, in that, in that game storytelling for him mm -hmm. to actually have a character and be kind of a, a little bit developed, yeah. Yeah. Even, and also... Even if you were impressing your own personality on top of him, there was still a base to work from, yeah. Yeah. And, like, a, a lot of... We've talked about this in the past, but a lot of the success of the first season of The Walking Dead was how much of a surprise it was and how unexpected it was. Yeah. And, like, all those little gameplay things, like, X will remember that. And, you know, you, the sense of choice, it felt so different and intriguing. And in this one, it's, like... I think they're doing a fine job with the story, but it's kind of like the first season of Lost versus the second season of Lost, where it's like, okay, I know what tricks you're going to pull, and now yeah. you're just kind of treading upon that same path as opposed to like it being unexpected it's i mean now it's just genuinely the story of these characters and i am intrigued by these characters and i want to see what happens to them but with the first season of the walking dead um my wife and i at some point developed this thing where she watches me while i play and whenever there's a decision that impacts my stakes for survival the survival of those around me we pause and talk about it and invariably i would defer to my wife because she has more of a survivalist instinct than i do Whereas I'm ultimately like, let's make everybody happy and feel good, you know, because I'm a mom and she's dad at the end of the day. And uh, she, this time, like last night, there was a point where I had to make a decision with a character who came back from season one. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, I paused and I was like, what do you think I should do, Foley? And she just looked at me and she said, I don't care. <laughs> like, who cares? Wow. Who cares if X, Y, or Z dies? Like, at it's, the end not, of the day, it's not the lady with the, the climbing axe, is it? No. No, I wish. But who cares about it, whoever comes back? 
I did like this appearance. Is it Kenny? Why, Bill, you'll have to play and see, won't you? Because just because it seemed like Kenny, I'm trying to think of any characters that like I'd be like, oh my god, it's 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 yeah. bumper knuckle. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying it, and I don't regret buying it. But yeah, I I kind it kind of makes me sad just because I felt very similarly with the Sam and Max series. I enjoyed what? them, but it's more like I don't know. I almost wish they do like a bunch of unrelated series did and you, try something uh, new every time. Did you see the actual first details of their Borderlands, Telltale's Borderlands series came out this week? No. Um, it's funny because they said this is supposed to be, it's supposed to be a comedic uh, game. Mm-hmm. And they specifically pointed out the fact that the Telltale's, uh, uh, that their roots lie in games like Sam and Max and stuff like that. So this is right. like their attempt from a humor perspective to try to get back to some of that stuff. Uh, the Borderlands game is going to be about two swindlers Named like Fiona and Ralph or something like that, and uh, they sh- they only showed off one screen cap where Fiona's like dressed in like almost like a duchess, duchess clothier is kind of like suit. Yeah, you look super snazzy, and yeah, it's about her and this other guy who are just kind of like running around scheming people around uh, the world of Borderlands. And they specifically said it's the same formula from The Walking Dead in terms of, uh, like you know it's choice based, you know adventure game, uh, dialogue driven. But inst- whereas the Walking Dead was specifically about uh, always having to choose between the uh, the worst of two evils, um, this Borderlands game is going to be about how you're you're re- you're you're telling stories about your past to someone. Yeah. And so your choices aren't necessarily like the choice between two evils, but you're essentially creating this uh, narrative fabric about your past past that you're essentially yeah. lying about stuff and the choices are uh the choice between two of the best possible things like you try to come up with like a self-aggrandizing story about yourself and uh, that seems kind of like i like the idea that like instead of like having to choose between two evils it's it's yeah like, like i was i a millionaire or was i the sexiest man at that party or some kind of like thing like that where uh, yeah so at least which is kind least... of intriguing here's yeah. my one they thing said about... it's supposed to be funny though my one concern about a Telltale game involving humor, and as Sam and Max hit this too, is that humor is so much about timing. Yeah. And the Telltale engine so chugs whenever <laughs> like, like, there's... Here's a joke. Wait for pot... Uh, load, load, load. Oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Just little things like that half-second pause as one of your chain your choices very clearly is slotted into place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill a joke. Oh, I feel, uh, I feel yeah, so you, bad for them. You make trying. a dialogue choice, and suddenly prompt... Uh, pops up that says Larry will laugh at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, naughty. But I, I thought I you might be interested telltale. in. What's I do. That? I always feel yeah. like I sound like a telltale asshole. I support what no, they're you're doing. Just, I'm excited you're about you're it. Just picky about what you like, though. It's I can't. They're playing in my treehouse, and that yeah. is why I can't help but be more critical of them. You know. But I thought like, you would be interested in hearing that they were supposed to be trying to make a funny game about swindlers who were, and one of which is a sharply my, dressed lady. I am the demographic for this. My God. Yeah, and this may actually make you vaguely interested in Borderlands. I already was vaguely interested in Borderlands, and then I play Borderlands, and it goes away. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, what is this? You just shoot, and there's shoot no Shoot it plot. go bang. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. Funny joke, funny joke. <laughs> internet meme, internet meme. Uh, yeah. They announced that a, a Last of Us movie is in development written by Neil Druckmann. Yeah, which that kind of... I hate to say it pissed me off, but that dude is such... The guy's only been in charge of one video game, but it was such a good game. That what yeah. the fuck is this guy doing writing goddamn movie scripts? Even if it's... I mean, I'm glad on one hand that they're actually getting the guy who wrote the game to write the movie. 
But on the other hand, when you find out that it's being released by Screen Gems, which is the shitty, shitty ass uh, movie arm of Sony that released like uh, Resident Evil in the Underworld movies, that you do, I suddenly realize what kind of caliber movie they think they're dealing with. Not to say The Last of Us should be a big two hundred million dollar James Cameron production, but I mean, or it should nor should it be like a really quiet Wes Anderson art house movie. But at the same time, like if they're like they're they're gonna market it, it's gonna be like a late August shitty horror movie release. I can I can just get a feeling for what movie that Sony thinks this is gonna be, and that's not the movie. I, if you have to make a movie out of Last of Us, that's not the movie I want to be made out of Last of Us. And whatever efforts are poured into that movie are just a waste of fucking time from people who would be better off making fucking video games. I was about to say, oh man, I want the guy who did the proposition to the Last of Us movie. I didn't realize he did the road. <laughs> Wait, what's the proposition? Uh, it's the proposition. It's the movie that's written by Nick Cave about um, uh, <laughs> Guy Pierce as an Australian outlaw who has to bring his brothers in. Fucking Nick and, Cave. Uh, and uh, he also did Lawless, which was beautiful but dumb. Uh, and, I remember we uh, saw that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't realize he also did The Road. Well, yeah. then he kind of already did The Last of Us. Oh, you're saying that he should be the guy to direct that? <sighs> Well, I'm saying that would be my my dream, but maybe So not. who do you get to play Ellie and Joel? See, Ellie and Joel are so who they are in my head That's that what I I'm can't saying. imagine anyone else. Can it's like get... saying a Mass Effect movie. Do they you dare, know? do they fucking dare get Juno? Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Do they even, do they even email her agent to be like, yeah, we kind of ripped her face off for this game, but... Would you be interested? Uh, anyway, speaking of game designers being distracted by dumb Hollywood bullshit, anymore? What it, movie was announced? What else? What else do you want to say about it? Well, aside from the fact that it's probably never going to come out, that's the other thing too. Yeah. But again, like, like, oh, any, any, oh man, any moment that's t- like spent wasted on this fucking Last of Us script should be not even necessarily like Neil Druckmann should be chained to a table and forced to work on the Last of Us too, but like. I, that's the other thing with like like uh, it, it seems like part of the reason for I would imagine for um, Ken Levine wanting to uh, still work on video games but have a very tiny team working on a very tiny game would be that he's now working on the uh, remake of Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that aside from video games, the triple triple A video game development kind of collapsing right now that you have some of the best talent in the video game field being distracted by stupid Hollywood shit that's never going to yeah. be... That's not going to be ultimately worth their time. Yeah. That that's that shows you what the pecking order between Hollywood and movies are. Bill, here's my counterpoint. Let's say that you spent a lot of time on Pan, and you did it, and it turned out exactly like you wanted. You're really <laughs> pleased with it and really proud of it. Yeah. Thanks for respecting my opinion. No, no, I was reaching for the soda and actually hit the button. (laughs) Uh, But let's say you spend a lot of time and money on Pan, and you do it, and it's exactly like you want it to be, and then Steven Spielberg comes to you and says, I want to make this movie. I know. And then he says, would you like to be involved? But it's funny that, like, even the best people in these different fields, their ultimate thing is, like, I want to make a movie. I want to make a movie. It just shows how, like... I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if someone says, I'm going to adapt your property, do you want to be involved in it? Of course you do, because you want to make sure... You feel very protective of it, and you don't... You want to take a crack at making sure that it has some semblance of what you want it to be. Or you say no, and then Uwe Boll writes it, you know? 
at least at, at least you can understand Neil Druckmann. He's writing the script for a movie based off his own creative thing. But like Ken Levine, fucking me, like writing the script for Logan's Run. It's like Ken Levine is a little different because he spent a lot of time as a script doctor. Oh, I know, and he's That's also like nuts. in his blood. I was gonna say he's also a weirdo. Anyway, so yeah, I, I don't. I agree. Ultimately, I want Neil Druckmann making more video games because video games are hard as balls to make, and I'd rather they just make spend their time doing that. So but. Naughty Dog right now. So they they had Amy Hennig, who's now gone, and their other big creative guy is now being distracted by having to spend half his time working on a goddamn movie screenplay. I doubt, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure Neil Druckmann is in the, hey, I finally just released a game and some DLC. I can take some time off for myself oh, know, sort of area. So, You know, he already yeah. wrote the script for the goddamn Last of Us movie. All you have to take that out is the part from the, from the game script that says, and then action part happens. <laughs> like, like, I mean, there should be that hard to tailor that to a motion picture unless, you know, Sony's got a lot of notes about like, well, what do we make? What if Ellie is actually Joel's daughter? Dot, dot, you know, just, ah, fuck the Last of Us movie. Fuck that shit. Unless, unless it magically ends up getting this crazy, like, creative pedigree and the, the attention from Sony that it deserves. Just fuck. The thing is, I know that could be a good movie, too. That's the thing that really kills me. If I yeah. if I thought it was doomed to be a terrible movie, there'd be another yeah. thing where I'd be just be like, well, we're wasting our time. But, like, I know it could be good, but, like, ah, screen gems. That's all you need to know about how that kind of caliber movie, the, the, the resources they're going to put in. It's going to be the Alien vs. Predator of post-apocalyptic video game adaptations yeah um i don't know but bill who would be your dream director of a last of us movie uh neil Druckmann. he already made it all you do is just take the <laughs> fucking cutscenes from the last of us there's two hours worth of cutscenes that tells that st- i mean it's the movie's been made it's just in cgi like especially the movie it's just, it's just there all you have to do is just like it's you have yeah. people just reenact what happened in the game then you got your movie yeah. Uh, who who do you get to play Tess? G- Jillian Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Are you done talking about this, Bill, or do you have some more in you? No, I mean, aside the only thing I w- would want to talk about this, it is interesting what kind of spot this leaves Naughty Dog in, because like I said, Amy yeah. Hennig leaving and then Neil Druckmann. Because like, that was the best possible thing, is he had, like, man, talk about one-two punch of one team lettered by Amy Hennig that's working on Uncharted stuff. You have Neil Druckmann, who came out of Uncharted, working on maybe not always Last of Us stuff, but, like, you don't know what he's working on next. And now it seems like with Amy Hennig gone, it seems like Uncharted's going to be put – now you want to see it on autopilot, but who knows what's going to happen with that, and who knows what's happening with Neil Druckmann's team and – I, I mean, really, writing a game script or what, writing a movie script, because it, it's not like he's going to be involved in any of the edits or any of the revisions or any of the rewrites. Oh. He's going to spend four weeks on this script, and that's going to be it, and then he's going to go back to work. I know. What I if Amy Hennig's leaving to go to director camp to direct The Last of Us movie? There we go. Oh, my God. That would be fra- Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> I think she went to film school. Actually, yeah, I think about those, it. those games are cinematic ah! enough. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Mike Russell. I'm gonna take the battery out of it. <laughs> A box set of soundtracks from all of Wes Anderson's movies is coming out this fall. Oh, we're not talking about. Uh... Did oh, excuse mean? me. Let we can. Okay, I accidentally skipped a thing. We'll go back to it. What no, no, no. I just knew. I just. I, I forgot that. Like, I, like, we, yeah, we had something about Ken Levine in this whole thing. Yeah. Which we can go back to. I'm sorry, I skipped it. Do you want to talk about this first? The Wes Anderson box set. Yeah. 
the news is a box set of soundtracks from all Los Angeles movies is coming this fall. No, I just announced. Well, so the Grand Budapest Hotel, Wes Anderson's newest movies, comes out. Uh, well, it came out in New York, LA this week. Next week, it actually comes out. Like it's showing in Portland next week, I guess. Uh, but they just announced that. Uh, yeah, no, a uh, soundtrack of all of his movies is being put out later on this fall. I don't know if that means it's just gonna be like a vinyl box set, or if it's. I would imagine it's gonna be like a something you could buy on iTunes, but mm-hmm. um, that'd be. Do you do you don't care that much about Wes Anderson movies, do you? We've talked about this at length before. Oh. I'm I'm not a fan, but I will go see it because his trailers always look like something I want to go see, and then I go see it and I get upset. Though I really that, there's I, a lot of people like that. We're like that looks cute, and I go see it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Uh, so I I'll go see the Grand Budapest Hotel because it looks really kind of great up my alley. So yeah, so supposedly Angela Lansbury was supposed to be in the movie. She had to drop out because she's doing something else. It kind of bums me out because actually Lans, uh, the Tilda Swinton character as it was supposedly was going to be Angela Lansbury, which kind of wow, that's me a out. hell of a reversal. There. Well, so they got Tilda Swinton and they aged her up to make her look like she's ninety years old and kind of like really terrible looking makeup. But I don't know. Man, I've heard good things. I... To, from the people who've seen that movie, so it was pretty good though. But they're Wes Anderson fans, so I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of free But no, like the Wes Anderson soundtracks always have a like, even if you don't like the movies, uh, the Wes Anderson soundtracks, or even if you don't like the genre of music chosen for any uh, specific Wes Anderson soundtrack, because usually each movie has this kind of like genre playground of music that they're pulling from to make the soundtrack. At least mm-hmm. you have to respect like like they're usually pretty good soundtracks though. Yeah. Um. Usually every time a new Wes Anderson movie comes out, you can pretty much guarantee that like. The next two years of uh, TV commercials are going to be aping shit from that commercial, <laughs> from that Wes Anderson movie. After the Royal Tenenbaums came out, you had all these commercials with the music, either uh, from Nico or sounding like Nico, like like women going, "Oh my god!" Like healthcare insurances tend to love to rip off Wes Anderson movie soundtracks for some reason. So, uh, but yeah, the end. <laughs> Uh, speaking of game di- designers being distracted by dumb Hollywood bullshit, says Bill, Polygon's article about the death of Irrational Games came out. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Polygon did a lot of good reporting, talking to people about basically the climate at Irrational over yeah. the last year and uh, kind of how this happened. They did a really good article about Ken Levine and the development of Bioshock Infinite in general before the release of the game. And this was kind of a nice follow-up to that. There was yeah, I read that, that game. On, yeah, the day I finished Bioshock Infinite, I went back and actually started like looking through because I, I was... I went out of my way to ignore all trailers and stuff after the game was announced and all the features about that. And Polygon's big interview with uh, Levine, like the January before Infinite came out, was one of the big things that everyone kept on saying. Like, if you want to go back and read about the making of Bioshock Infinite, you should yeah. check that out. Yeah. Uh, it was just kind of interesting. It was nice to get that perspective. Polygon's been doing some good port- work with their reporting, so I, it was interesting mm-hmm. to read. And it, it was nice that they got a, a couple of different opinions on it, too. So yeah. it was interesting. And it was interesting within that piece, because I thought that piece was all going to be about how Ken Levine's an asshole, because uh, everything I've ever yeah. heard uh, from about uh, from people who worked with Ken Levine is that he's uh, hard to work he with. means well, but he's out of his fucking mind. And that he, yeah, he turns the turns the tea table over a little bit too fucking often for games to actually uh, generate any actual development traction. But this was an interesting piece in which there was actually a lot of stuff from people who were saying like, I actually respect Ken Levine. I, I, that it was he was hard, he, they admit that he is hard to work with, but they respect his methods and they think what he was doing was like an ultimate good. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it wasn't all just like Ken Levine. He just drove the studio into the ground, which would be the <laughs> easiest piece to write or the easiest piece to like get information from and kind of like sens- sensationalize that. Right, exactly. <sighs> and friends with that video game garbage. That's it. You don't have any opinions about how crazy this person we've never met and will never meet is, or like his working methods about this industry that we're not actually a part of. Nope. You don't, want to apothe- you don't want to apothesize? We've talked about this at length. Dude, <laughs> should we talk about Ken Levine's marital status and what effect <laughs> that had on the development of Bioshock Infinite? Oh my gosh. No, it's interesting. With uh, Ken Levine and Neil Druckmann, it's been kind of an interesting counterpoint to, um, to Amy Hennig because those are people who, while not comfortable, allowed themselves to be a big part of the conversation about their game. Yeah. Where when you talk about Bioshock and you know anything about games, you're talking about Ken Levine. If uh, you're talking about The Last of Us, like they really, in their marketing push, really involved Neil Druckmann. And it kind of became this self fulfilling prophecy where now, because we talked about them, now those people are names. Mm-hmm. And Amy Hennig never was part of that conversation. And again, I, I, I can't help but believe it's by her choice that she chooses to be private. And God bless yeah. her for it. But uh, yeah, it's kind of an interesting contrast when, when you are a name the power that gives you and uh yeah i don't know yeah i really respect her opinion because i'm sure at some point sony must have been like well we're going to do marketing pushes for these uncharted games we need to yeah. be out there to be the voice piece of this and at some point i mean she would do interviews and stuff like that it's not like she was right. hiding from people but she was very much like it, it seemed like her attitude towards uh her place with the gaming media was kind of like just generally kind of like letting the work speak for itself yeah, exactly. Yeah. God bless her. Bully, bully, bully. I love that lady. Mm-hmm. Now can I finish? Now can I be done? Maybe. <laughs> hey, everybody. Press the fucking button, Bill. Yeah, I can see you do it. Do it. There you go. I don't know what half these sound effects are. Is that the trash compactor or something? I don't know what the hell some of these things are. Hey, everybody. This is the Boy Hattie Podcast. Or, as always, boyhattiepodcast.com. At boyhattiepodcast on Twitter. It's howday at boyhattiepodcast.com. is how you can email us. That is the sound of me being one month sober. We'll be back next week to talk to y'all about more garbage that we have opinions about, even though we are absolutely unfamiliar with any of the information surrounding it. Yeah, this week, I like this week's Geeker News and Reviews. That's just calling, well, here's something that happened. We have no idea what really happened. We'll just, we have to talk about something, I guess. It can't just be us talking about ourselves. (laughs) All right, friends, we'll talk to y'all next week. Take care, guys. I love this podcast. Now that I smile, now that I'm laughing even deeper in the Now that I see, now that I finally found the one thing I deny, it's now I know. I go and it is finally I decide that I be leaving in the fairest of the seasons.